Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And it's been a little while since we last talked about the state of California's lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for, among other things, a hostile work environment and inequitable pay. If you aren't familiar with the background to that case, I highly recommend our California versus Activision Blizzard playlist. We go over the initial complaint, Activision's responses or lack thereof in certain important respects. And that's led to, in the past couple of days, a better ABK, which we talk about as a proto-union here in our week two status update on this case, has filed a charge with the National Labor Relations Board. And that charge has been wrongly reported in a couple of places. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what the National Labor Relations Board actually does, why we're not likely to see really anything come out of that charge, but even if we do, not for a very, very long time, and have a conversation about where this puts Activision, especially as they move forward with some big executive changes that happen on the same day. Now, before we get into that substance, I do want to give special thanks to a patron of ours, Nord, who at the highest Patreon tier is sponsoring this video for you all. I told you when we started this month, we have a number of very large highest tier sponsors for the channel. I couldn't be happier. Thank you so much for sponsoring us, Nord, and I hope you like this video. We will once again talk about that a little bit more at the end when we talk about sponsorships and support of the channel. Now, as I mentioned, there was some misreporting on the topic we're about to discuss today. Here's The Verge. Activision Blizzard sued again, this time for labor violations. Hmm. IGN, Activision Blizzard employees file NLRB suit. Now, the reason I'm saying hmm here is I am a lawyer, and as you might know from your understanding of the United States government, if you have one, or if it's your first time in virtual legality, we'll help out a little bit here, is that the executive branch under which the NLRB sits can't actually initiate a lawsuit or can't initiate a lawsuit only through its own board. It can, of course, use the court system like anyone else. So when you file something with an agency of the U.S. government in the executive branch, you aren't filing a lawsuit. And so I looked at this from the Virgin IGN. and said, that's a little bit odd. And I said, well, maybe they're just misreporting it. But I have to give them the benefit of the doubt. And that benefit of the doubt comes from a better ABK's Twitter itself, which described what just happened as... In partnership with Code-CWA, we've filed an unfair labor practice suit with the National Labor Relations Board. So we're going to give The Verge and IGN some credit on all of this. They were using the language that came from a better ABK, and that language just happens to be incorrect, but they aren't lawyers. They're folks that are making Activision Blizzard and King video games, so we can also give them the benefit of the doubt. Now, they did point us to the actual National Labor Relations Board charging document, which is, as you would expect, you don't actually see the documents here. You have to make a FOIA request, but we'll get to that in just a second. We see that there's a signed charge against the employer from a few days ago. And then as of the 13th of September, the NLRB itself sent letters to both Activision and to the folks that sent the initial charge saying, we're on this. We're going to take a look at it. And what are the allegations? Well, they're all described here. 8A1, which we'll get to in just a second, coercive statements, coercive rules, coercive actions, parenthetical surveillance, and interrogation, including polling. Now, thankfully, Protocol actually took a look at this as well and figured out that it was, in fact, a charging document and not a lawsuit 
and linked to the press release that CWA actually put together. CWA being the Communications Workers of America, a fully fledged union that is helping a better ABK navigate these regulatory waters. And you see this a lot in kind of proto-union environments where folks start getting together at a company like Activision Blizzard, and they start using the resources that they can find from other unions that are generally all too happy to help, as is the case here with CWA. They put out this press release yesterday. It says, in support of game developers at Activision Blizzard King, a cross-platform gaming company based in Santa Monica, the Communication Workers of America has formally filed ULP charges against the company for worker intimidation and union busting. That's unfair labor practices. ABK workers staged a groundbreaking walkout over the summer to draw attention to the disturbing working conditions in the gaming industry at large, including but not limited to ableist, racist, and sexist cultural practices, workplace discrimination, and pay inequity. Despite a risk of retaliation, Activision Blizzard King workers launched a better ABK on July 23rd as a strategic organizing effort to unite developers behind a shared set of concerns. Employees use their social media platforms to organize with one another and share their demands to the world, including fans, fellow game developers, and consumers. Instead of responding to these demands, Activision Blizzard management is using coercive tactics to attempt to prevent its employees from exercising their rights to stand together and demand a more equitable, sustainable, and diverse workplace. It is their right as workers to organize for a work environment free from abuse, discrimination, and sexual harassment, and this right is protected by federal labor law. Tom Smith, National Organizing Director at CWA, said, We are very inspired by the bravery of ABK workers, and we will always stand shoulder to shoulder with workers fighting harassment, assault, and discrimination. Management could have responded with humility and a willingness to take necessary steps to address the horrid conditions some ABK workers have faced. Instead, Activision Blizzard's response to righteous worker activity was surveillance, intimidation, and hiring notorious union busters. Now, you won't actually see their hiring of Wilmer Hale in that charging document that we'll take a look at more specifically in just a second, because that isn't something that's illegal. It's not illegal to go hire a law firm, even if they have a reputation for helping large corporations, quote unquote, bust unions. The National Labor Relations Board under the Biden administration has made it clear that it will hold companies accountable whenever they break the law. We have filed these charges to ensure that the actions of ABK management will not go unanswered. So nothing terribly unusual here for a union statement on this kind of activity. They filed a charging document with the National Labor Relations Board alleging these things. And we can see those allegations a little bit more specifically in the document itself, which is linked out of that press release. Now they put the Activision Blizzard address and the CEO, and there's a lot of workers there. And here's the important part, the basis of the charge. Within the last six months, the above name employer, that's Activision Blizzard to you and me, has repeatedly engaged in unlawful conduct by threatening employees in the exercise of the rights guaranteed by Section 7. We'll get there. The employer has threatened employees that they cannot talk about or communicate about wages, hours, and working conditions, told employees they cannot communicate with or discuss ongoing investigations of wages, hours, and working conditions, maintained an overly broad social media policy, enforce the social media policy against employees who have engaged in protected concerted activity. That phrase is important. Keep that in mind. Threatened or disciplined employees on account of protected concerted activity, engaged in surveillance of employees engaged in protected concerted activity, and engaged in interrogation of employees about protected concerted activity. So the laundry list here is that Activision has said, you can't talk about wages. You can't talk about the investigations we're doing on wages. We've got some kind of strong social media policy about what you can't say out into the world. 
We've enforced that against employees who are potentially banding together in something like a better ABK. And we've threatened those employees. We've polled those employees. We've surveilled and interrogated those employees. That's the allegation that has been made to the National Labor Relations Board. Now, a couple of things pop out here. First, you might've noted that within the last six months concept, if we go and we look at how to file a charging document with the NLRB, you'll see that the NLRB Act actually says, only charges filed and served within six months of the date of the event or conduct will be processed by the board. You might've also noticed in that charging document that there aren't a lot of specifics, broad social media policy. What does that mean? Well, in the charging document itself, we aren't at the level of really detailing what's happening there. As a matter of fact, the charging document instructions say the section of the charge form called basis of the charge seeks only a brief description of the alleged unfair labor practice. You should not include a detailed recounting of the evidence in support of the charge or a list of the names and telephone numbers of witnesses. Don't include all that information. It's only supposed to be lightly drafted. And in fact, it is, which is no surprise because this union probably pretty regularly files National Labor Relations Board charges and knows how to do it right. That's why you use uh, a union like that if you are a better ABK. Now, we need to talk about how this actually all works together in the statute. So I pulled up 29 USC 158, unfair labor practices. This is 8A1 of the National Labor Relations Act, which is what is specifically charged against here. Uh, or as we can see in the summary, 8A1, coercive statements, rules, actions, and interrogation. Now, what does 8A1 say? It says it is unlawful for an employer to interfere with, restrain, or coerce employees in the exercise of the rights guaranteed in section 157 of this title. If you've ever read government statutes, this is the kind of thing that happens. This is what research in the law is all about. We're in 158. It says, well, you can't interfere with those things in 157. What else does this statute do that doesn't actually come up in this case? It says you're not allowed, if you're Activision, to dominate or interfere with the formation of a labor organization to kill that union. You can't, by discrimination in regard to hire or tenure of employment, encourage or discourage membership in any labor organization. You can't start discriminating against people who want one or against people who don't want one in respect of a union. And this goes on and on and on. But what this actual charge is about is interference with the exercise of the rights guaranteed over here in Section 7 of the Act and 157 under the United States Code. Now, what do rights do employees have that they are alleging have been interfered with? It says employees shall have the right to self-organization, just kind of generally, broadly, to form, join, or assist labor organizations, to bargain collectively through representatives of their own choosing, and to engage in other concerted activities for the purpose of collective bargaining or other mutual aid or protection. And that's where the rubber hits the road on this particular charge, concerted activities, which we're gonna take a look at how the National Labor Relations Board interprets that. We're also gonna talk about the process by which the National Labor Relations Board actually has to go through to get through a complaint and an order and everything else. But concerted activities to you and me are activities related to groups. They are concerted. Now. It might surprise you to find out that one person under the precedent in this act can be engaged in concerted activities because the rulings here have determined that a person that is making a complaint in a group setting or is otherwise involved in potentially forming a group can be considered to be involved in concerted actions, even if it's only that one person. So as alleged, what we're seeing here probably strikes 
as correct is something that's a problem for Activision Blizzard and probably should be looked at by the National Labor Relations Board. The rest of this statute talks about the other way. She'll also have the right to refrain from any or all such activities, except to the extent that such right may be affected by an agreement requiring membership in a labor organization. Said another way, if you think about how the National Labor Relations Act actually works, it sounds like it's protecting employees and labor unions and that kind of thing. It is ostensibly through its words, the black and white language in the statute, also protecting employees that don't want to be a part of a labor union, that don't want to get involved in any of this stuff, that want to be left alone. Now, that's a little bit less often seen publicly because you're not generally filing a charge with the National Labor Relations Board for failing to be left alone properly, although that does happen on occasion. So that's what's alleged here, that Activision is interfering with the right of the employees to self-organize and to engage in activities with each other for the purpose of collective bargaining, probably not, although this is a kind of collective bargaining, but mutual aid or protection that anything the employees do together about their labor environment, the work that they do, is something that is broadly protected by this particular statute. The NLRB goes further, says concerted activity is the fact that you have the right to act with coworkers to address work-related issues in many ways. Examples include talking with one or more coworkers about your wages and benefits or other working conditions. Now, that's the very first example the National Labor Relations Board includes. And of course, it's one of the very first things that is alleged against Activision Blizzard, right? The employer has threatened employees that they cannot talk about or communicate about wages, hours, and working conditions. Matches up perfectly. If that is in fact the case that Activision Blizzard has done this, then that's the kind of thing that's going to get them in trouble under the concerted activity rules. It's also concerted activity to circulate a petition asking for better hours, participating in a concerted refusal to work in unsafe conditions, openly talking about your pay and benefits, and joining with coworkers to talk directly to your employer, to a government agency, or to the media about problems in your workplace. Your employer cannot discharge, discipline, or threaten you for, or coercively question you about this protected concerted activity. And that coercively questioning you about concept is what is being charged against Activision Blizzard with respect to their polling. And even to some extent, that interrogation concept, you're put in a room and you're asked about what you're organizing or what you're putting out on your social media, et cetera, et cetera. And this also confirms that a single employee may engage in protected concerted activity if he or she is acting on the authority of other employees, bringing group complaints to the employer's attention trying to induce group action or seeking to prepare for group action. So one person just prepping to form a group or trying to get others to join them is concerted protected activity for purposes of the act. So it sounds like Activision Blizzard probably has a problem, but wait, this is a fairly bureaucratic institution. And so it might not have the problem that you or I think they would have just based on what I've said. So let's talk about how the board itself works. So the National Labor Relations Board is what's charged with enforcing the National Labor Relations Act. It's put in place by a bunch of political things. But importantly, when we're talking about complaints, there shall be a general counsel, a main lawyer. He'll direct the other lawyers. He or she will direct their other lawyers. And he or she shall have final authority on behalf of the board in respect to the investigation of charges and issuance of complaints under Section 160 and in respect to the prosecution of such complaints before the board. So you're going to have a lawyer. Board's going to appoint them that general counsel is going to then decide what's going to happen with a charging document like the one we see before us. But it's important to note it's still not a lawsuit. The National Labor Relations Act sets up a new board, an agency under the executive branch, that isn't the judiciary. So they have to actually work with the judiciary in order to get things done. It says the board is empowered, as here and after provided, to prevent any person from engaging in any unfair labor practice of the kinds we just talked about. 
the board or any agent or agency designated by the board for such purposes shall have the power to issue and cause to be served upon such person a complaint. So they're going to get a charging document. They're going to look into it for a while and they're going to decide whether a complaint should issue by the board. If a complaint does issue, then they'll start getting even more evidence. It says, if upon the preponderance of the testimony taken, the board shall be of the opinion that any person named in the complaint has engaged in or is engaging in any such unfair labor practice, then the board shall state its findings of fact and shall issue and cause to be served on such person an order requiring such person to cease and desist and to take such affirmative action, including restatement of employees with or without back pay, as will effectuate the policies of this subchapter. So the board gets a charging document. It looks through everything. It decides whether it's going to issue a complaint. If it does issue a complaint, it does a little bit more work. And then it gets to decide whether it's going to issue an order that's going to have things like reinstatement with or without back pay, take other actions that might make things better for the employees at that particular organization. But you might also be asking yourself, all right, if it's just an executive agency, Rick, how does it enforce those things? Well, that's the next section. The board shall have power to petition any court of appeals of the United States for the enforcement of that order. Upon the filing of the petition to the court, so now the National Labor Relations Board goes and asks the judiciary to enforce this thing, that it is told Activision Blizzard or some other company that it needs to do. Upon the filing of that petition, the court shall have the power to grant temporary relief or restraining order as it deems just and proper to enforce what the board said and to make and enter a decree enforcing, modifying, and enforcing as so modified or setting aside in whole or in part the order of the board. When we talk about the use of legal power against a person, whether it's an individual or an entity, we have a system in place to do that. That's the judiciary. So when we talk about agency actions, one of the things that happens is that an agency action, as the National Labor Relations Board might do, gets put forth to the court, and then the court reevaluates it for applicability to the statute, whether or not it makes sense. And that's where sometimes things can fall apart. But what's important about this is that when we look at the reporting, it's not a lawsuit, it's a charge to an agency. And most importantly, it's a long, long way away. So let's look at what the NLRB actually says about charges that are placed before it. First, it says the NLRB receives about 20 to 30,000 charges per year from employees, unions, and employers covering a range of unfair labor practices. 30,000 charges per year. Each charge is investigated by board agents who gather evidence and may take affidavits from parties and witnesses. Typically, a decision is made about the merits of a charge within 7 to 14 weeks. Yeah, you think they get you there with 7 to 14. Sounds like days. That's how we think about a week or two weeks. Nope, 7 to 14 weeks. Long, long time. And if that's not good enough for this summary, they add on, although certain cases can take much longer, not just longer, much longer. So we're talking about a long period of time before the NLRB even decides to go forward with a charge. During this period, the majority of charges are settled by the parties, withdrawn by the charging party, or dismissed by the regional director. So while the National Labor Relations Board is getting things together over the course of a lot of weeks, Almost all their charges, or at least a majority is described here, we'll see it's almost all in just a second, are settled, withdrawn, or dismissed. When the National Labor Relations Board investigation finds sufficient evidence to support the charge, every effort is made to facilitate a settlement between the parties. So we've looked at it, the NLRB has, and we've decided, yep, there's something here. Let's get these kids together. We don't want to go through that whole judiciary process and everything else. Let's try to do this without a board order. If no settlement is reached in a meritorious case, the agency then issues that complaint. 
Common allegations against employers and complaints includes threats, interrogations, and unlawful disciplinary actions against employees for their union activity. We didn't actually see that. We didn't see the hiring of a law firm because that's not going to hold water. We didn't actually see people getting retaliated against. We saw an overall environment in which Activision apparently is trying to dissuade them from talking about certain things, which can still be bad, but you don't see the ones that are the high level smoking gun type bad things like, oh, this person was making petitions to make a union and we fired them. That's how you get into real trouble under these kinds of acts. The issuance of a complaint leads to a hearing before an NLRB administrative law judge. After issuing a complaint, the NLRB becomes a representative for the charging party throughout settlement discussions and the board process. Under its statute, the NLRB cannot assess penalties. The agency may seek make-whole remedies, such as reinstatement and back pay for discharged workers, and informational remedies, such as the posting of a notice by the employer promising not to violate the law. Activision Blizzard says, sure, we'll put up a poster. We won't do it again, NLRB. We promise. Which is a long way of saying, yes, this is an important thing. It's an important step. It sounds like they might have Activision and Activision Blizzard on a couple of counts there, but don't expect this to be the driver of change at Activision Blizzard. That would still be things like the California lawsuit, more so than a charging document made to what amounts to the government's version of the Better Business Bureau, because you're not going to have an answer for a long time. You might get Activision Blizzard to the table, which might be the idea. You want them to not be able to prevent you from having these conversations, and Activision Blizzard might accede to that. If we actually look at what the NLRB puts out there as the information, you can't even really see the bar on these graphs that is them making board orders, actually forcing the parties to do something. That's this little blue line right here that you can see in these various areas each year. The blue itself are charging documents that were withdrawn by the charging party. This gray area here are settlements and adjustments. So the gray plus the blue is actually something changes at the Activision Blizzards of the world. And this one up here is with is dismissal. The board finds that there isn't enough to actually have a meritorious case. So this plus this means nothing happens in general. And this middle area is Activision Blizzard changes something. Only against its will is this blue line right here. So Activision Blizzard would be at the table, settle it up. And as you could see from the National Labor Relations Board's summary of how they treat the act, they prefer settlement over having to go through an entire complaint process and going through the judiciary should it come down to it. So if you're looking at these things, if you're looking at the reports by The Verge or IGN or anyone else that called it a lawsuit, that's not true. And if you're thinking about it as something that is very likely to engender major change at Activision Blizzard, that's also very unlikely to happen. Not the least of which because the National Labor Relations Act doesn't empower the board to actually have penalties to actually harm Activision Blizzard in some way. It's just a matter of recompensating people that were otherwise affected by this, which in an environment where people aren't being fired, and that isn't alleged, isn't something that is likely to cause Activision Blizzard any heartburn at all. What might cause them a little bit of heartburn is the fact that people keep leaving. Also yesterday, Activision Blizzard hires senior executives from Disney and Delta. Activision Blizzard Inc. today announced the hiring of two senior executives to help the company build a more inclusive workplace, as well as diversify and grow its revenue. So the first person is probably the more inclusive workplace prong. The second is the growing its revenue. We're not going to talk about the second as much as the first. The first being Julie Hodges, Senior Vice President, Corporate HR and Compensation Benefits and Talent Acquisition at the Walt Disney Company. That's quite the title. Who will become Activision's Chief People Officer. Sandeep Dubey, Senior Vice President, Revenue Management at Delta Airlines, will become the Chief Commercial Officer. 
Ms. Hodges brings more than three decades of global human resources experience in entertainment and an impeccable record of shaping corporate culture. She will be responsible for the company's global talent organization. In her role, she will lead all aspects of human resources, including diversity, equity, inclusion, talent acquisition, employee experience, learning and development, compensation and benefits, and workforce planning. Now, that's important because one of the things that a better ABK has asked for is a company-wide control where employees have some sort of say in Activision Blizzard's diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And it's one of the things when I saw those demands, I said probably wouldn't fly because that's not the way companies are organized. And at best, if you're seeking change, you want to have a voice in what those programs are going to be at the executive level, not seeking control of it from some kind of company-wide agreement on the programs. Now, is this going to satisfy them? I suspect not, but certainly it's notable because the chief people officer is the human relations person at Activision Blizzard. And this is a new person joining the fray. She says, I share the company's belief that a work environment should welcome all perspectives, experiences, and backgrounds because Activision is trying to put that out there in its press releases. But hidden midway through this is the fact that she replaces Claudine Naughton, who is leaving the company and is not otherwise referenced in this document. Their current head of people, after all this from California, is leaving and being replaced. Is that from Activision's side of things? Did they ask for a new HR representative? Hard to say. Did she decide to leave? Also hard to say. The second change is a little bit less exciting for purposes of discussing the California lawsuit. Mr. Dubay will oversee Activision's global sales and go-to market teams, and he is fulfilling a role left vacant after an individual was promoted to CFO out of the role of CCO. So this is essentially normal business operations. One other thing I would point out, though, even in this, is that when we talk about these kinds of things, we talk about them regularly in virtual legality, you'll note that this is the way that executive changes are normally done. When somebody leaves, like Claudine Naughton, you don't have a press release that says she's leaving and we're looking for somebody else and oh my God, we're chickens with our heads cut off. You have somebody ready to go, you announce that person, you announce why they're a good idea, and then you mention that the other person is leaving. And if it's not at all problematic, you mention why and maybe give them a little note to give their own quote. That doesn't happen here because this is obviously an area of high sensitivity. But when you're thinking about press releases of admittedly less important things like the Bioware transition over to Electronic Arts, we noted that it was extraordinarily unusual for heads of that group to just vanish, disappear, leave without actually having a replacement and having Electronic Arts give the press release effectively on Bioware's behalf was odd. This is normal. This is at least acceptable to Activision in some important way. Does that mean that Ms. Naughton was fired? Hard to say, but either way, she allowed for a smooth transition on the part of Activision. And that might be the only thing that's going smoothly for Activision right now. It is no fun to be on the wrong end of a charge to the National Labor Relations Board. Even as we discussed in this video, it's unlikely to drive change at the company itself. Of course, we'll continue to follow this with support from folks like Nord. Once again, special thanks for that Patreon support. If you'd like to support the continuing discussions that we have here about the business and law of video games, technology, pop culture, and more, please consider taking a look at the Patreon. We've also got other ways to support the channel listed below or just subscribing and telling your friends is just very, very helpful to the entire process. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary 
and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.